0: Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rackin' Auditorium is made possible by... Lord Bloodraw's Patreon supporters. Lord Bloodraw keeps the love of vintage horror and science fiction alive with three weekly shows. The Nerve Rackin' Auditorium, Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rackin' Theater, the long-running syndicated TV series presenting horror and science fiction feature films, and Lord Bloodraw's Cathode Zone presenting episodes of classic genre TV shows. For more info, go to patreon.com slash lordbloodraw. Ah, I'm so glad you're here. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Lord Bloodraw. I host horror and science fiction films on my TV series, Lord Bloodraw's Nerve and Theater. But here, in this cool, intimate darkness... I'll be presenting tales of horror and the uncanny solely for you, alone. In this auditorium within your mind, you will coalesce the settings and the players from the ether of your imagination. Your terror will be your own creation. This is the Sorcery of Sound, the subtle magic of old-time radio horror. horror. <laughs> Please leave your eyes at the door. You will not need them. This is Lord Bloodraw's nerve-racking auditorium. I ask your forgiveness for the unusual deep timbre of my voice tonight. It seems that we here in the shadows are also susceptible to the flu, (laughs) so uh, please forgive me, but I will carry on. More to the point, there are some tales that just seem to become part of the human experience, These stories are so well-known, so ingrained in the culture, that it is difficult to imagine a time when they did not exist. Such a tale is the classic Christmas story and classic ghost story, A Christmas Carol. Here, for the holiday season, is the 1939 Campbell Playhouse production of A Christmas Carol, Starring Lionel Barrymore, narrated by Orson Welles.
1: The makers of Campbell's Soups present The Campbell Playhouse. Orson Welles, producer.
2: clearly a number of ways in which a Christmas carol could be introduced. Myself, I am most struck by the happy fortune that enables us on this Christmas Eve to present Mr. Lionel Barrymore, the best-loved actor of our time, in the world's best-loved Christmas story, A Christmas Carol. When Charles Dickens presented this little story to the world almost a hundred years ago, it found an instant response in the hearts of people everywhere who saw In it, their favorite fictional chronicle of what Christmas is and what Christmas means to all the simple people of the earth. From the day of its first printing, Families have been innumerable in which there has remained unbroken the tradition that the reading of a Christmas carol was an item indispensable to a proper observance of the most important of days. It is the American way, as we know, to establish traditions quickly where popular instinct and sentiment pronounce them sound. And so it is that today, actually only the fifth anniversary of Mr. Lionel Barrymore's first playing of the part of Ebenezer Scrooge for the Campbell Playhouse, there is, I think, in all America nothing more eagerly awaited, more firmly rooted in the hearts of the radio family that numbers millions than this yearly performance of A Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol, as Charles Dickens wrote it, has by common consent long been a classic. Mr. Lionel Barrymore's appearance in it is rapidly becoming one. And now, just before a Christmas carol, Ernest Chapel has a special Christmas greeting from the makers of Campbell's Soups. Mr. Chapel,
1: Thank you, Orson Welles. As the old year draws toward its close, we of Campbell's feel a bond of warmth and gratitude toward each of you, our friends. For you see, in homes everywhere throughout the land, Campbell's Soups have been welcomed. Day by day and week by week, you have placed confidence in us and in the foods we make. And there isn't anything we appreciate more deeply than the fact that so many of you have elected to let Campbell's make your soups for you. And so when Christmas comes, we look about to find some way to show our appreciation some Christmas present by which to say thank you. The gift we chose five Christmases ago, and have chosen each year since, has become a part of Christmas to many and many a family. It has become a Christmas custom, as Mr. Wells said, to gather round the radio to hear and to enjoy a Christmas carol. And since it is Christmas Eve, we hope, too, that the younger members of the family are permitted to stay up and listen before dreams and visit of Santa. We get a great deal of pleasure planning and preparing this Christmas gift, and now it's ready. Off come the wrappings, off come the tags that say, please do not open till Christmas. Out comes the card. To you, from Campbell's, and here is the gift itself.
2: A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. And once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house, a grim, cheerless place if ever there was one. The door of Scrooge's counting house was open that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who in a cold and dismal little cell beyond worked at his ledgers. One, twenty-two.
3: Merry gentlemen, <speaking in Spanish> let nothing you despair. 23, 26, 29, 9 carry 2. Christmas oh, Day, 11,
4: 13, 17, 7, and. Oh, Bob
3: uh, Yes, Mr. Scrooge. Stop that
5: infernal caterwauling. Yes, sir. 9, 15, 17, 29, oh, carry 1, nine, 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 oh, Singing their idiotic Christmas carols in my very door.
4: Go
5: on! Get away from my door! Go somewhere else and bellow your blasted carols or I'll give you in charge. Sorry, Governor. It's an old
3: custom at Christmas time, you know. Yes,
5: and I don't want any of your old customs. Take your fellow fools and go away. Christmas. Blah.
3: Right, sir. Merry Christmas anyway, sir.
5: Now you get that letter from Higgins and Blackthorn Cratchit and then I want you to finish posting this ledger and after that you can pop over to Fothergill's and tell me for him Fothergill you've come after the seventeen shillings and sixpence he's owed me since Michaelmas and tell him I shall have a constable over there if he doesn't pay up at once. Uh, Mr. Fothergill's wife has been ill sir. Oh what do I care about his wife? I want my seventeen and 16. I uh, just thought it being Christmas, sir. Christmas. Christmas. You mention that word to me once more, Bob Cratchit, and I'll... Merry about... Christmas, Uncle. A merry Christmas,
4: Bob.
5: Merry Christmas, Mr. Fred. God save you, Uncle. Uh, humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle. Now I'm sure you don't mean that. I mean just that. Exactly that. Merry Christmas. What right of you to be merry what reason have you you're poor enough well what right have you to be dismal about christmas uncle you're rich enough yeah now uncle don't be cross well what else can i be when i live in such a world of fools what's christmas to you but a time for paying bills without money merry christmas a time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer if i could work my will Every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips is be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. He should! Uncle! Now, nephew, keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it, Uncle. Well, let me leave it alone, then. What do you want? A Christmas gift, I have no doubt. I came to wish you a Merry Christmas, Uncle. A Merry Christmas. Much good may Christmas do you. (laughs) Much good it ever has done you. There are many things from which I derive good, by which
3: I have not profited materially, I dare say, Uncle. Christmas among the rest. But I have always thought of
2: Christmas time as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. And therefore, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it.
4: God bless Christmas. Hurrah!
5: Let me hear another sound out of you there, Bob Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. Yes, sir. as to you, nephew, I wonder you don't go into Parliament. You talk enough nonsense. Oh, don't be angry, Uncle. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why can't we be friends? Good afternoon. I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, I've tried. A Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year, too. Ah, humbug. And a Merry Christmas to you,
6: Bob and the missus, and the tiny
5: teal. Thank you, Mr. Craig. Same to you, sir. Good day, sir. Good day, Bob. Nonsense. Twaddle, flummery. The talking of Christmas and not two sixpences to jingle together in his trousers' pocket. Hey, you there, Bob Cratchit, come here. What are you doing there? Uh, I'm only putting a bit more coal in the fire, Mr. Scrooge, seeing it's so cold in there, sir. You put that coal back into the scuttle. A fire. A fire, indeed. I can tell you, if you use coal at that rate, you and I will soon be parting company, Bob Cratchit. Do you understand that? There's many a young fellow like your situation, you know. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. My fingers were getting a little stiff with the cold. Well, then put on your mittens. Someone at the door. Go on, see you it is. Uh, yes,
3: sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good
5: afternoon. This is the firm of Scrooge and Marley? Yes, sir. I should like to see the head of the firm, if I may. Oh, very good, sir. What is it? A uh, gentleman to see you, Mr. Scrooge. Huh? Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Marley's been dead these seven years tonight. I'm Scrooge. Well, now, Mr. Scrooge, at this season of the year, it's only fitting that we who are more fortunate should raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. You may not
2: believe it, sir, but many thousands are now in want of common necessities. And hundreds of thousands are in want of the simplest comforts.
5: sir. Uh, are there no prisons? Well, there are plenty of prisons, sir. And the workhouses, they're still in operation, I trust? I wish I could say they are not. But they are, sir. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigor, then? Both very busy, sir. Ah, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I was afraid from what you said at first that something had occurred to stop them in
2: their useful course. No, sir, all these institutions that you mention are flourishing. But it's nevertheless true that some additional provision for the poor and the destitute must be made. Ah. A few
5: of us, upon change, are endeavoring to raise such a fund, you see. And uh, what shall I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, I see. You wish to be anonymous, sir. I wish to be let alone. I don't make merry myself at Christmas time, and I can't afford to help make a lot of idle people merry. I help to support the establishments that take care of the poor. They cost enough, let those who are badly off go there. Many can't go there, sir, and many would rather die. Then well, my advice to them is to do so and decrease the surplus population. Besides, I've only your word for it that all this is so. It's the truth, Mr. Scrooge. Well, so be it, then. It's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, sir. I quite understand, Mr. Scrooge. Good Thank afternoon. It. Show this gentleman out. Yes,
3: sir. This way, sir, please. Sir, I couldn't help overhearing. I... She'd like to contribute threepence. Craigie, yes sir. It isn't much, but it's all I can afford. But there are others in worse situation than I. You're
2: a generous fellow. I wish I
5: might say so of your employer.
3: Craigie, yes sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon.
5: Craigie. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas. Yes sir. Close the door. Yes sir. Twenty-four, thirty-one.
3: One and carry three. New scarlet tippet for Tiny Tim. A comb for Martha. 33, three and carry three. A hair ribbon for Belinda. Four, seven, twelve, fifteen. Magic! Yes, yes, sir.
5: It's too late to have you go to Fothergill's. He'll be closed up for Christmas like these other fools. We may as well close up the place now. Yes, sir. It is getting a little dark. Mm. Hard to see the figures. I I suppose you'll want the entire day tomorrow. If it's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient. And it's not fair, either. But I suppose I can't do anything about it. (laughs) If I was to stop half a crown of your wages, you'd think yourself very ill-used, I'll be bound. Well, sir, I... Yeah, but you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. It's only once a year, sir. Once a year. Once a year, indeed. fine excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose there's no good talking. You must have the whole day. Well, see that you're here all the earlier the next morning. You understand? Oh, I will, sir. I will
3: indeed. Good night, sir, and Merry Christmas. Ah. Merry
4: Christmas!
2: The office was closed in a twinkling and Bob Cratchit, with the long ends of his white comforter dangling below his waist, for he boasted no greatcoat, went down a slide on Cornhill twenty times in honor of its being Christmas Eve and then ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt to play with his family at Blind Man's Buff. Scrooge, on the other hand, took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern. And having read all the newspapers and spent the rest of the evening with his banker's book, went to his dismal house. Darkness is cheap, and Scrooge liked it. The yard was so dark that even Scrooge, who knew its every stone, had to grope with his hands through the fog and the frost to find the door. Scrooge walked through his rooms to see that all was right. Sitting room? Bedroom? Lumber room? All as they should be. Nobody under the table, nobody under the sofa, nobody under the bed, nobody in the closet. Close the door. He locked himself in. He double locked himself in. And took off his cravat, put on his dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap, and sat down before the fire to take his gruel.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. <coughs>
5: Marley? Marley! I could have sworn I saw... Ah, humbug. Marley's been dead these seven years. Humbug. All humbug. What I need is a good... Hmm. What? What's that? Someone's in the plane, sir. The door's locked and double locked. Something's, it's, it's coming. Some, something, is it? It's coming closer. Outside my door. Ah, stop. I won't believe it. It's humbug still. Ebenezer
7: Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge.
5: (laughs) Marley. (gasps) Oh, no. what do you want with me?
7: I want much of you, Ebenezer.
5: Who? Who are you?
7: Ask me who I was.
5: Oh, you're very particular for a ghost. All right, then. Who were you? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley. But you're dead. You died seven years ago. Seven years ago this
7: very night.
5: A What's wrong, Ebenezer?
7: Don't you believe
5: in me? I do not.
7: You doubt your senses, Ebenezer? Yes,
5: yeah, yes. Yeah. Because a little thing affects them. S- slight disorder in the stomach makes them sheep you can't be a ghost. You, you may be an undigested bit of beef, or a blot of mustard, or a cr- crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. <laughs> yeah, there may be more gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. Ah, humbug, I tell you. Humbug. <laughs>
4: Excuse me, Fritz.
5: Excuse me. I do believe... You are a ghost, Jacob. Thank you. Why why do you walk the earth, Jacob? Why do you come to me? It
7: is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide to witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth and turn to happiness.
5: Well oh, tell me, Jacob, did what is that chain you wear around you?
7: I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard, by my own free will. Is its pattern strange to you, Ebenezer?
5: Cash boxes? Keys? Padlocks, and ledges, and purses? Yours was
7: as heavy and as long as this seven years ago. And you have labored on it since, Ebenezer.
5: Oh, Jacob. Speak comfort to me, Jacob. Comfort
7: I have none to give. I cannot rest. I
4: cannot stay. I cannot linger. Weary
7: journeys lie before me.
2: You travel fast?
7: Yes, Ebenezer on the wings of the wind. Uh,
5: Seven years dead and traveling all the time?
7: Seven years, Ebenezer. Seven years of remorse. Ebenezer, do you know that no space of regret
5: can make amends for one life's opportunities misused? But you were always a good man of business, Jacob? Business. Mankind was my
7: business. Charity, mercy, benevolence, they were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop
5: of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Jacob, Jacob, don't take on so now. Jacob.
7: Listen to me, Ebenezer.
5: i listen to you, Jacob. Go on, Jacob, now. Speak to me, but don't be so flowery.
7: Ebenezer. I am here to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. Do you hear that, Ebenezer?
5: Yes, Jacob. Yes, you you always were a good friend to me, Jacob. Thanks, Jacob, But, but go on, go on, go on, go on. How shall I escape? Oh, I'm afraid, Jacob.
7: You will be haunted by free spirits.
5: Is that the only chance and hope, Jacob?
7: It is your only chance and hope.
5: Well, then I think I'd rather not.
7: Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow, when the bell tolls one.
5: Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over, Jacob?
7: Ebenezer, look that for your own sake you remember what has passed between us. And remember, when the bell tolls one, Look
4: for the first spirit. Marley. Take Marley.
2: Scrooge awoke. He was lying on his bed fully dressed. Suddenly the curtains of his bed were drawn aside and Scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them as close to it as I am now to you. And I am standing in the spirit at your elbow. It was a strange figure, like a child. Yet not so like a child as like an old man. Its hair, which hung about its neck and down its back, was white as if with age. And yet the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the tenderest bloom was on the skin the arms were long and muscular the hands the same as if its hold were of uncommon strength. Ebenezer Scrooge (gasps) Who's that?
5: Ebenezer Scrooge I have come for you You uh, uh, Are you the spirit, sir whose coming was foretold me? I am that spirit What are you? i am the ghost of christmas past long past no your past but what, what do you want of me or what brings you here to haunt me your welfare ebenezer scrooge rise and walk with me Oh, no, 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 not, not out of the window. I can't do that. I'll fall down. I'm not a spirit. I'm mortal, and I'll fall. Bear but a touch of my hand upon your heart, and you shall be upheld in more than this. Come, follow me. become of the city. <laughs> There's snow upon the ground. Where are we? These are the shadows of the things that have been. You recognize this countryside? Oh. oh. I know every inch of it. Every rock. Every tree. And that bleak building over there? Oh, that building. I was a boy there. Yes. I went to school in that Horrible place. Do you recollect that path? <laughs> I could walk it blindfold. Strange you should forget it so many years. Come, let us go closer. Look through the window into that cold, barren room. What do you see, Ebenezer Scrooge? I see a boy. A solitary child, neglected by his family, alone. Yes, yes, I see. I know that boy. Oh, oh, I was so lonely. Poor boy. Your lip is trembling, school. And what is that on your cheek? It's nothing. Nothing at all. I wish I ah, it was too late now. What's the matter? Nothing, nothing. The waits came to my door singing Christmas carols last night, and there was a boy like that among them. A poor, pale, thin little boy in a ragged coat. I should like to have given him something, that's all. Is that all? Come, Ebenezer Scrooge. Let us see another Christmas. Do you know this place, Ebenezer Scrooge?
4: <laughs> know it?
5: Know it? Why? this is the counting house where I was apprenticed. Listen.
4: <laughs>
5: it's my old master, bless his heart. Old Fezziwig. My master alive again and hosted one of his Christmas parties. (laughs) (laughs) Eat your party! Come
4: to him!
5: the needle and back to your places. <laughs> 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 and there's Dick Wilkins. poor oh, Dick. Dear, dear, dear. Yes, and look, there's Mrs. Fezziwig herself, looking younger than any of them. <laughs> and the table's all loaded with roast and cider and mince pie and beer. Oh, what a jolly time we used to have. That carefree young man with a light heart and a gay smile. Do you recognize him? Yes, yes, yes. Merciful heaven. How happy I was then. A small matter for old Fezzerwig to make those silly folks so full of joy. Small matter? Small indeed. Isn't it? He has spent only a few pounds of your mortal money Is that so much that he deserves praise? Ah, it's not that. It's not that, spirit! Old Fezziwig has the power to make us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or heavy. His power lies in words and looks and in things so tiny that it's impossible to count them up. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it cost a... What is the matter? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all, Spirit. Something, I think. No, no. Speak. Well, only it's just that I should like to be able to say a word or two to my club, Bob Cratchit. That's all. and
4: retire. Bow and curtsy. the needle.
5: My time grows short and we have yet another journey to make. Where now? Come. This is our last visit to the past Ebenezer. Here, in this little room, with a fair young girl by your side. Do you recognize yourself, Ebenezer? (gasps) No, 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 spare me this. You're older now, a man in the prime of life. Your face has begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. Your eyes are greedy. The eager, restless eyes of a miser. No, no, please. She knows it too. That girl by your side. There are tears in her eyes.
3: That is little of to you. Very little, I know that. Belle, have I changed toward you? When we were engaged, we were both poor. Was it better then? Better to be poor? Better at least to be happy. You're changed. You were another man then. I was a boy. Do you blame me because I've grown wiser? Have I ever tried to break our engagement? In words, no. Never. In what then? In a changed nature. In an altered spirit. In everything that made my love of any value in your sight. So I release you from your promise. Belle! Oh, at first it may cause you pain to lose me, a very brief pain, but soon it will be dim, like a half-remembered dream, an unprofitable dream. And you will be glad to be awake from such a dream. May you be happy in the life you have chosen, Ebenezer, for the love of him you once were.
4: It's
5: enough. Show me no more. Take me home. These were shadows of the things that have been. That they are what they are. Do not blame me. No. No more. No more. One shadow more.
4: Come.
2: Do you see this man, Ebenezer Scrooge? This man might have been you.
5: And the woman beside him, your wife. And that girl... That girl might have been your daughter, Ebenezer Scrooge. She might have called you father. She might have been a springtime in the haggard winter of your life. Spirit, let me go. Show me no more. Listen now while they speak, Ebenezer. Bell, I saw an old friend of yours today.
4: Who was
3: it? Yes. How can I? It. Oh, I know, Mr. Scrooge.
2: Mr. Scrooge it was. I passed his office window. It wasn't shuttered, and there was a candle inside, so I couldn't help seeing him. His partner Marley lies at the point of death, I hear, and there Scrooge sat, all
5: alone, quite alone in the world. I do believe. Spirit, spirit, I can't bear any more. Leave me, haunt me no more. Take me back.
4: Take me back. <laughs> On the feast of Stephen When the snow lay round about Deep and crisp and even you
1: are listening to the Campbell Playhouse, bringing you tonight the fifth annual presentation of Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, produced by Orson Welles and starring Lionel Barrymore as Scrooge. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
4: Bring
1: me this
2: is the WBBM Air Theater, Wrigley Building, Chicago. When we bear
4: them us, and monarch forth they went they went together through the rude winds while lament, and the bitter weather.
1: And now back to the Campbell Playhouse and our fifth annual presentation of a Christmas Carol. A Christmas present from the makers of Campbell's Suits.
2: On the stroke of one. Scrooge awakened suddenly and sat him bolt upright in his own bed. You remember the words of Marley's ghost and wondered from which direction the second specter would appear. At that moment, nothing between a baby and a rhinoceros would have astonished him very much. Now, being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing. And consequently, when no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. Five minutes, ten minutes, a quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. Then, as he sat in his bed, he became aware gradually of a great blaze of ruddy light that seemed to shine upon him from the adjoining room. He got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. It was his own sitting room, no doubt about that. But it had undergone a surprising transformation. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove from every part of which bright gleaming berries glistened and such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney as had never been known in Scrooge's time or for many and many a winter season gone. Heaped up on the floor to form a kind of throne were turkeys, geese, game, poultry's great joints of meat, sucking pigs, long wreaths of sausages, mince pies, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts, and seething bowls of punch that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. In easy state upon this couch, there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch in shape not unlike Plenty's horn, and held it up, high up to shed its light on Scrooge, as he came peeping round the door.
5: Come in, come in, Ebenezer Scrooge, and know me better, man. Sure, sure. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. You've never seen the like of me before.
4: Sure.
5: You're different from the other spirit. You're tall, almost a giant. That great torch you carry. Its light falls into the homes of rich and poor alike. Spirit, take me where you will. Last time I went against my will and learned a lesson which is working now. If you have anything to teach me, let me profit by it. Touch my robe, Ebenezer Scrooge. Touch my robe. Where have you brought me, Spirit?
2: An humble dwelling an humble street.
5: It's miserable, enough. Yet there is happiness there. Who, who are these people? Who's that woman and the children? These are the family of your clerk, Bob Cratchit. Oh. See his wife, dressed in a twice-turned gown, but brave in ribbons, laying the table for their Christmas dinner. And there, assisting her, is her daughter, Belinda, and the young man with a fork in the stuffing. That's master Peter Cratchit.
4: And the two little Cratchits. Listen, Scrooge. Here's my Mother. What? What? God bless your
6: heart alive, Martha, my dear. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Mother. Merry Christmas. How late you are, my dear. Oh, we had a deal of work to finish up last night, and we had to clear away this morning. Well, never mind so long as you're here now. Sit you down before the fire and have a warm. Lord (laughs) bless you. Where's Father? He's been to church with Tiny Tim. They'll be along directly. How is Tiny Tim, Mother? Any better at all? Sometimes I think he is. And sometimes I think, oh, dear God, if anything should happen to Tiny Tim. Mother, you mustn't really even Christmas think of such a thing. Here they are! Tiny oh, Tim. Merry oh, Christmas, everybody. Oh, Martha, Martha, welcome, my dear. Merry oh, Christmas, Father. And, Tim, and oh, Tim. Merry Christmas, Martha. Oh, Tim, you darling. Let me take Oh, Father, I'm so glad to be home. And we're so glad to have you, Martha. And how did Little Tim behave in church, Bob? Oh, as good as gold and better.
3: Oh, I like church, Mother. Oh, they sang the nicest songs. I hope people saw me there. Saw you there? And why, Tim? Well, don't you see? Because I'm lame. And if they saw my crutch, it might be pleasant for them to remember on Christmas who it was made lame beggars walk and blind men see.
5: Oh, bless you, my son.
6: Are we ready to eat, Mother?
3: Come on, let's eat. Yes, children,
4: we're
5: all ready.
6: Here go. Come, take your places now. And I'll wait your turn. There's plenty of stuffing and dressing and plum pudding for all of us. Martha, you take care of Tiny Tim. And see that he eats plenty. He must get strong and well. Now, just sit down. Sit down, everyone. And now,
3: my dears. Shall we say grace?
5: Spirit. Our Father, who are Tell me. If tiny Tim will live, I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney Let corner, to stay. and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. Oh, no, no. No, no, kind spirit. Say he'll be spared. Say he'll live.
2: If these shadows remain unaltered by the future Ebenezer, the child will die. Amen.
4: Amen. And now, my dear, oh, oh, with good, such too, a yeah. dinner, a toast. A Merry
3: Christmas to us all, and God bless us. God bless Merry us, Christmas. everyone. <laughs> and now to Mr. Scrooge. I'll give you a toast to Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast.
6: The founder of the feast, indeed, who pays you all a 15 shillings a week. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast on, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. Oh, my
3: dear, the children, Christmas
6: Day. It should be Christmas Day, I'm sure, on which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Bob. Nobody knows it better than you, poor fellow. My dear, Christmas Day. I'll drink his health for your sake and the day's, not for his. Long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. And I say, God bless him too, Mother, and everyone.
4: (laughs) God bless him.
2: nothing of high mark in all this. They were not a handsome family, these Cratchits. They were not well dressed. Their shoes were far from being waterproof. Their clothes were scanty and had known very likely the insides of a pawnbroker's. But they were happy, grateful, pleased with one another and contented with the time. And when at last they faded, Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tiny Tim until the last. Many calls Scrooge made that night with a ghost of Christmas present. Down among the miners they went, who labor in the bowels of the earth, and out to sea among the sailors at their watch, dark, ghostly figures in their several stations. Much they saw, and far they went, and many places they visited always with a happy end the spirit stood beside sick beds and they were cheerful on foreign lands and they were close at home by poverty and it was rich in almshouse hospital and jail where vain man in his little brief authority had not made fast the door and barred the spirit out the spirit left his blessing it was a long night if it was only a night And it was strange, too, that while Scrooge remained unaltered in his outward form, the ghost grew older, clearly older. My life
5: on this globe is very brief, Ebenezer. It ends tonight. Tonight? Tonight at midnight. Hark. Hark. The hour has come. Oh, no, no, not yet. Not yet. There are still more things I wish to learn. These you will learn from still another
2: spirit. Still another spirit, Ebenezer. Scrooge looked about him for the ghost that had vanished, and he found himself once more in his bed in his dressing gown and his nightcap on his head. He'd heard the clock strike, and then he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley. And lifting up his eyes, beheld the third spirit. A solemn phantom, shrouded in black, draped and hooded, coming towards him slowly and silently like a mist along the ground.
5: are the ghost of Christmas yet to come. You'll show me the shadows of things that have not happened, but will happen in the time before us. Answer me, spirit. Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I've seen. Yet, I know your purpose is to do me good, as I hope to live to be another man from what I was. Lead on. Lead on. Night's waning fast. Time's precious. Oh. Spirit, why have you brought me here again? Here to Bob Cratchit's home? But it's not the same. Why is it so quiet? So very quiet
4: here. <laughs>
3: Mother. Mother, please. Oh, my son. My little son. Tiny Tim. I loved him so. Oh, Mother dear, you mustn't. (laughs) It's almost time for Father to be home.
6: Don't let him see you crying. Yes. Yes, Mother. He's late tonight. He walks slower than he used to and yet I've known him to walk very fast indeed with tiny Tim on his shoulders. So have I, Mother. But he was light to carry. And his father loved him so that it was no trouble. No trouble at all. Bob.
5: Good evening, my
3: dear. You're late, Bob.
5: Yes, I'm sorry, my dear. I went to the churchyard today. I wish you could have gone with me. It would have done you heart good to see how sweet
3: and green a place it is. But you'll see it often. I've promised him. Yes, I promised Tiny Tim we'd walk there on a Sunday. Father, dear, it's God's will, Bob. I'm trying to understand it, my dear. My
5: son, my little son, Tiny Tim. And I loved him so. Oh, that's cruel. Cruel. spirit! can't you give me one ray of hope that I may change all that that tiny Tim may live? Where are you taking me now? Here, on a common street spirit? What is it for me to learn here? Who, who are those men? I don't know much about it. Either way, I only know he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. Uh, it's likely to be a very cheap funeral for Mill life. I don't know anybody to go to it. Suppose
2: we make up a party and volunteer. I don't mind going if a lunch is provided. <laughs> <laughs> you know, come to think of it, well, I was his best friend. What? We used to nod to each other when we met in the street. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit, tell me,
5: who is this man that died? Is there no one to mourn the poor creature? No one to follow him to the grave? Perhaps they'll give him a green grave, at least like poor tiny Tim. Perhaps... Spirit, where are we now? Merciful heaven, a churchyard, overrun by grass and Choked with too much buried, desolate, lonely, crumbling gravestone. Spirit, before I draw nearer to that gravestone, answer me one question. Are, are these shadows of things that will be, or, or are they shadows of things that may be only? Huh? Will, will you not speak to me, spirit, what is that grave to which you point? Ah, <clears throat> oh, no, uh-huh. there's writing on that stone. The name on the gravestone is Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge? Oh no, 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 no! Hear no, me! No, no. I'm not the man I was. Why show me this if I'm past all hope? Tell me that I can change these dreadful shadows you've shown me by an altered life. I'll honor Christmas in my heart, and I'll try to keep it all the year. I'll live in the past, the present, and the future, and I'll not shut out the lessons that they teach. Tell me, Spity. Oh, go on. Tell me. Tell me that I can sponge away the writing on that stone, spirit. I beg you, spirit. I beg you. Spirit, I promise. I promise on my knees. I promise. I promise I'll... I... Let love and joy come oh, It's my own bed, boss I'm home In my own bed In my own room and the sun The sun's shining It's clear It's bright No fog. What a beautiful day Oh, glorious,
4: glorious The boy Oh, boy Yes, sir? What?
5: What's today?
4: What's that, sir?
5: Well, what day is it, my fine fellow?
6: Why, it's Christmas Day. Ha ha, Christmas
5: Day. Then I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. All in one night. Heaven be praised.
4: How's that, sir?
5: <laughs> Listen, my lad. Uh, do you know where the poultry is in the next street? I
6: should say I do. <laughs>
5: intelligent boy. A remarkable boy. Tell me. Do you know if they sold the prize turkey that was hanging in the window?
6: The one as big as me?
5: (laughs) What a delightful boy. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, my buck?
6: It's hanging there now, sir.
5: That's wonderful. (laughs) Go around, will you? And tell him to send it to Bob Cratchit and his family on Broad Street. And mind you, they're not to know who paid for it. Go along. Hurry, hurry, my lad. Here, wait a minute. Here's half a crown for your trouble. Yes, sir.
4: Yes, sir. And a Merry Christmas, sir.
5: <laughs> and a Merry Christmas to you, my boy. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather, as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> a Merry Christmas to everybody. A Happy New Year to all the world. Woo! Yes, sir. How do you do? I I beg your pardon. Well, you, sir. Aren't you the gentleman who came to my office in regard to that charity? Why, yes, sir. A merry Christmas to you. Uh, Yes, sir. Allow me to ask your pardon, sir. And will you have the goodness to accept? I prefer to whisper this. But, but, Lord, bless me. My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? If you please, now not a farthing less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. <laughs> will you do me that favor? Oh, my dear sir, I don't know what to say to such munificence. Ah, oh, don't say anything, please. Come and see me. Will you, will you come and see me? I will, I will indeed. <laughs> thank you. I'm much obliged to you. I thank you 50 times. Bless you. Merry Merry Christmas. <laughs>
2: next morning Scrooge was early at his office. He went early for a reason. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late. That was the thing he'd set his heart upon. And he did it. Yes, he did. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past, no Bob. Scrooge sat with his door wide open that he might see him come in at last he came his hat was off before he opened the door his comforter too he's on his stool in the jiffy driving away with his pen as if he were trying to overtake 9 o'clock at
5: 21 6 and carry the 1 and 24 and carry the 2 and 31 and 8 and 9 hello you a... Cratchit yes sir step this way Cratchit if you please Cratchit what do you mean by coming in at this time of day oh I'm very sorry sir I am behind my time you are Yes, yes, I think you are. Oh, it's only once a year, Mr. Scrooge. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. I'll tell you what, my friend. I'll not stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, Bob Cratchit, I'm about to raise your salary.
3: Mr. Scrooge, are you quite yourself, sir?
5: No. No, thank heaven. I'm not quite myself. Merry Christmas, Bob. (laughs) Merry Christmas, my good fellow. A merrier Christmas than I've given you in many a year. I shall raise your salary, and we'll see what we can do for Tiny Tim and the rest of your family. Huh? We'll discuss it this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop. Bob, make up fire. Make it up and and, and buy another coal scuttle before you dart another eye, Bob
2: Cratchit. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all, and infinitely more. To Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh, and little heeded them. His own heart laughed, that was quite enough for him.
1: I've just heard our annual presentation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, starring Lionel Barrymore, brought to you by the makers of Campbell's Soups. And now here is Orson Welles.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, at this point in the program, it's my custom, as you know, to present you with a few words of introduction, our guest of the evening. With your consent, I shall dispense with this tonight. To introduce tonight's guest to the Campbell Playhouse audience or to any American audience is an extravagant and superfluous procedure. For if ever an actor has won for himself a lasting place in the hearts of his fellow countrymen through years of unsparing and inspiring service. That actor is Lionel Barrymore. Mr. Lionel Barrymore. Oh, thank you, Orson Welles. Good evening,
5: ladies and gentlemen. Well, this is the fourth year I've had the pleasure of appearing in the Christmas Carol here on the Campbell Playhouse. And I assure you all, it's a pleasure that never tires. As long as I can remember, this has been one of my favorite stories. When we were children, it was read to us regularly at this time of year, as it is to many millions of children right now. <laughs> and like many of them, I'm sure the three of us, Ethel, Jack, and I, with the aid of a sheet and some old ironware, made a play of it. I remember we had three Scrooges in that production. Uh, Who played Tiny Tim? I think we had three Tiny Tims, too. But seriously... I can think of no part that I've enjoyed playing again and again as much as I have the part of that squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, Ebenezer Scrooge. And I can think of no happier or more suitable choice for the makers of Campbell's Soups to offer the people of America as their Christmas present each year than Charles Dickens' well-beloved story, A Christmas Carol. Good night, Orson. Good night, everybody.
2: And a merry, merry Christmas to you all. Good night to you, Mr. Barrymore. Thank you, sir, and a merry Christmas to you. Ladies and gentlemen, next Sunday night, we're happy to announce our version of a great and truly American story by a great American novelist, Come and Get It by Edna Ferber. Against a background of the mighty forests of Miss Ferber's own Wisconsin, it tells a stirring tale of the men and women who live and die in the woods in order that lumber may come down the rivers every spring into the cities of the modern world. Like so many of Miss Ferber's epic romances of American life, it was made from a best-selling novel into a highly successful motion picture. Now we bring it to you on the air. The story of a man and his son and the girl they both loved, Lotta. Lotta, played for us by one of the loveliest and most accomplished of Hollywood's younger dramatic actresses, Miss Frances D. And so until next week, until Come and Get It... My sponsors, the makers of Campbell Soups, and all of us in the Campbell Playhouse remain as always obediently yours. But just one moment, please, Benny, excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the night before Christmas. And all through the Campbell Playhouse, not a creature is stirring that doesn't join Lionel Barrymore in wishing you a merry, merry Christmas. This goes for all of us. From my sponsor myself or for all of us From Don McBain who runs the machinery in the control room To Miss Helgren who types the Campbell Playhouse scripts A Merry Christmas From Benny Herman and his band of Merry Melodians Merry Christmas From Max Tare's canary-throated chorister A very Merry Christmas And from Harry Esman and Cliff Thorson And his crew of sound effect technicians A Merry Christmas and from Orson Welles and his considerable aggregation of dramatic talent, who include, among others, Mr. Everett Sloan, Mr. Frank Reddick, Mr. Erskine Sanford, Mr. George Kalouris, Mr. Ray Collins, Miss Georgia Backus, Miss B. Benaderet, and many, many others, a Merry Christmas. Far about it, everybody. A Merry Christmas. Merry
4: Christmas.
2: That's right. And now, as Tiny Tim says,
4: God bless us, everyone. <laughs>
1: The makers of Campbell's Soups join Orson Welles in inviting you to be with us in the Campbell Playhouse again next Sunday evening when we bring you Edna Ferber's Come and Get It with Miss Frances D. as our guest. Meanwhile, if you have enjoyed our fifth annual presentation of A Christmas Carol, won't you tell your grocer so this week when you order Campbell's Soups? This is Ernest Chappell saying thank you and a very Merry Christmas to you all. (laughs) you <laughs>
0: The Nerve Racken Auditorium will return to unsettle your nerves and disquiet your nights next week, but for now, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and may all your supernatural visitations be happy ones. Thank you for joining me in the Nerve Racken Auditorium, and I hope you'll come again. But now it's time for you to rejoin the, uh, real world. I am Lord Bloodraw, and I'll be waiting here for you in the shadows of your mind until the next time you seek the darkness. Good night.